Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. In this episode, we're going to explore some history of Oak Hill Cemetery, which was established in 1844 in Battle Creek, Michigan. It's certainly not the oldest cemetery in Southwest Michigan. However, it has quite the blend of history with a collection of amazing stories from the region. Today, I have joining me on the show, Jim Jackson, who was the principal editor for the book Beyond These Gates, a guide for many of the stories of people interred at Oak Hill. He's also the author of another book entitled Veterans of Oak Hill Cemetery, which explores in detail the amazing military history of people buried there. He's been on the show before. Welcome back to the show, Jim. Thank you for taking time to be on the podcast today, and Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year to you. Always, always good to be here. Well, great. Well, Jim, could you take a minute and introduce yourself to the audience and perhaps tell how you came to be involved with writing about Oak Hill Cemetery? Well, I didn't grow up in this area. I grew up in the Detroit area, and when I retired and moved here, I was, uh, I'm not sure how exactly I came about, but it, uh, the the history of the area, but uh, I, I think like you, I was just amazed with all of the world-changing history that occurred here. I mean, every town has history and, and interesting folks, but uh, Battle Creek seems to have more than its share. So uh, It certainly I, does. It certainly does. It, was, it wasn't long before I discovered Oak Hill and the book, um, the original book, Beyond These Gates, that was written in 1989. Mm-hmm. I actually um, knew some people on the board of the cemetery and figured I'd, I'd give them a, a push to, uh, so I scanned in the old book with all of the photos and the text and okay. moved, changed it into a Word document. So all I had to do was update it because uh, 1989, this was probably around 1910. So I was like 20 years old. There are a lot of mm-hmm. new burials since then, but there yeah. were also some errors in the first book. No reflection on the people that put it together at the time because there's... I'm, I still find errors in my reprint, but right. uh, it, it's eventually you have to have someone rip it out of your hands and publish it if it's ever going to see the light of day. Yep. So I, sure. uh, I presented that to their board and uh, suggested it would be great to do uh, an updated version. And they all agreed and just kind of... I had about uh, 20 pairs of eyes looking at me waiting for the next move. <laughs> waiting for the shoe to drop, huh? <laughs> I've, I've discovered that at board meetings, if you make a suggestion, you're often going to be the one to carry it out. So You think? <laughs> I, I, haven't, I, I haven't learned it enough to stop doing it, but uh, oh boy, yep, now I try there. to at least uh, limit it to things that uh, I might be interested in doing. So right. uh, in in 2015, uh, we put this together, and I had the help of the entire board because uh, mm-hmm. I wasn't. I mean, I'd heard of some of, you know, like the Kellogg's and Post and Star Journal mm-hmm. Truth and uh, vaguely of the Whites, uh, who founded the Seventh-day Adventist religion. But um, these 
just those few are responsible right. for about 20,000 visitors from out of town every year. Right. And uh, this is not a city cemetery. It's a nonprofit cemetery from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And those out-of-town people are eating at the restaurants and often spending nights in hotels. So mm-hmm. it, it is a great boon to the community uh, to have that jewel in in the middle of our city. And a lot of, like most areas, most local people uh, or many local people have never visited it or don't even know where it is. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's always good to get the word out there that uh, of, of what there is to see there. Uh, if you do go like on a walking tour of the cemetery it, it is quite shocking too if you i i've been out there filming a lot and there was uh, the last time i was there i was planning to do a little drone footage for a video i was working on and i had to stop because a bus pulled up outside and a wave of about 300 people it seemed got <laughs> on that big old bus and it was one of those big buses and they had yeah. They were all over the place. I was like, wow, this is, um, I think I better let them have their time and I'll come back and do this later, you know. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I uh, I was surprised the, the Seventh-day Adventists, this is kind of like a pilgrimage to mm-hmm. Battle Creek to, to uh, visit the final resting place of James and Ellen White, uh, right. the co-founders of the re- religion. And... <clears throat> The one year I was working on the book, they said they expected a, a, a large group of people because their annual convention that is all over the world, different places every year, was mm-hmm. going to be in San Antonio, Texas. So I guess when you come from Australia or Japan, Battle mm-hmm. Creek isn't that far from Texas. So yeah. uh, they did get a whole lot of people coming up uh, to to uh, view the, the, not only their graves, but there's there's about 24 marked Seventh-day Adventists uh, that, that had a really mm-hmm. principal part in either the foundation of the religion or the, uh, the, the publication uh, arm of it. They were one of the largest publishers in the world uh, yeah. when that was uh, fully functional back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Well, as you've mentioned, and we've already kind of started, the it, Oak Hill is also the final resting place of some very famous people. Um, can you go into some of those stories? You mentioned the Kellogg's in the Post. Maybe we can start with them. And John Kellogg, W. K. Kellogg, and I, I of course heard of them, but uh, I didn't know much other than cereal. And mm-hmm. uh, John Kellogg, the Doctor John Kellogg. Uh, of course, he ran the sanitarium or the San and had really nothing to do with the cereal arm of of the brothers. Mm-hmm. And there's a real interesting book lately that came out well, a few years ago now about uh, the, the dynamics between the two brothers who, mm-hmm. after a time, never saw eye to eye and never really talked to each other, which... I still don't understand that how that is possible in a small town when mm-hmm. they're obviously one of the f- two people in a sm- very small circle of social events. But yep. uh, at any rate, uh, that was it. John Kellogg and his brother kind of co 
discovered or invented the the cereal flake from wheat mm -hmm. and then from corn. But um, John Kellogg provided it for his patients at the sanitarium. Sanitarium, by the way, was more of a health spa, uh, but it was right. also a hospital. And but a lot of well people came there, or sick people wanting to get better, and it mm -hmm. was all a regiment, kind of like these uh, uh, sulfur springs places that sprang up a hundred years ago. Right. And John thought that this was a gift from God, and they shouldn't capitalize on it. It would be a sin to do that. Mm -hmm. Will Kellogg saw the commercial uh, possibilities and uh, did that and they eventually uh, took each other to court over using their name and mm -hmm. uh, the Michigan Supreme Court ruled in favor of W.K. Kellogg <laughs> which wasn't a certainty because John Kellogg was known throughout the world for his uh, right. innovations and inventions for medical improvement and nobody ever heard of Will K. other than mm -hmm. before the cereals. But he yep. had his signature on every box, which was part of the selling feature. So that's mm -hmm. uh, really what won him the day. Yep. And then there's, uh, along with that, there was Bill Knapp. A lot of right. people from Michigan know that. But he was also, he had restaurants in half a dozen different states. Mm -hmm. And uh, was, I mean, it was really good home cooking for a reasonable price. But he's probably best known for giving people uh, discount on their birthday equal to mm -hmm. the percentage of their age off the meal, which, <laughs> That's cool. which I think he was criticized at the time for shortchanging himself. But I mean, he he must have had the last laugh because everyone, if you're 80 or 90 years old going in for almost a free meal, right. you're going to bring 20 of your relatives with you. And yeah. have a big affair. So he uh, he made out on that. And including, oh, if, if you were over 100, you got money back from your meal. Wow. Which, which was another selling thing, because that would end up in the paper that Mildred received a check for 89 cents the other day for her mm -hmm. birthday meal at Bill Knapp's. So free advertising there. Yeah, that's great. What a clever marketing. I've never heard that story. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. And did the same four anniversaries, too. And mm -hmm. uh, I don't really remember the anniversaries, but several people have told me about it. And mm -hmm. uh, they would always play uh, Frank Sinatra uh, singing, the, you know, mm -hmm. the night we were wed. Uh, I, I feel fortunate that I had a chance to eat at a Bill Knapp's, even though it was towards the end of the existence. I had... When I first moved to Michigan, there was still one in Ann Arbor that was across from where I was working, and we would go eat I there from time to time. I lived in Troy, and there was one uh, mm -hmm. within walking distance. It was a few blocks away. So, yeah, yeah. they were there were probably a dozen in the Tri County area of Detroit. Yeah, yeah they kind of imploded after um, Bill Knapp died. You know, they just uh, bad they management. Really did. And he sold it, and uh, the new owners wanted to get rid of the old people's image mm -hmm. and brought in uh, loud music and garish, you know, new age furniture. And mm -hmm. it only lasted a few months, I think, before they, <laughs> they had to throw in the towel. Wow. So, and, of course, C.W. Post, we kind of skipped over him. He was... 
a patient CW at the Post, sanitarium, right? Yeah, he was a, a sickly person, came for mm-hmm. uh, to get his health back, which he did, and he volunteered to help in the kitchen, and he really didn't do it, I don't think, to steal the recipes, although he certainly did. Uh, got a lot of ideas mm-hmm. but his uh, his initial thing was he wanted to make uh, uh, a cof- new coffee out of uh, uh, he called it postum it right. wasn't coffee grounds it was uh, coffee uh, substitute other, yeah you know, a substitute and uh, mm-hmm. uh, he was very successful of that and then he made grape nuts and mm-hmm. uh, uh Great nuts flakes and and other things, which of course there aren't any nuts or grapes, but uh, that's how it got its name somehow. But uh, yeah, and he uh, he he amassed a a fortune too. Now John Kellogg really was um, not a spendthrift. I mean, he he, he Mm-hmm. In fact, he never took a salary for running the sanitarium. He uh, made, wow. he lived off of the proceeds of probably about a fifty books that he wrote about health okay. and diet. But uh, C.W. Post enjoyed surrounding himself with things that yeah. he could afford, right. and he could afford a lot. He eventually. Yeah. Uh, got really sick out in California, and he had, uh, I mean, if you think of the logistics, he got, he, he had a non-stop train from California to the Mayo Clinic, where the two Mayo brothers uh, were going to operate on him, but it was determined that it was inoperable cancer, and oh. uh, he died shortly after that. There's... Yeah. At the top of the list also is the Joyner Truth. Uh, she was known throughout the area and probably throughout the United States um, as a suffragette and uh, emancipator and, and everything else. Um, and had a meeting with uh, Abraham Lincoln, which there was a famous painting done by that. And that was uh, one thing that another thing that Post, the CW Post, had in his uh, office area. But when it burned down, it was completely destroyed. Fortunately, someone took a photograph of it before that happened. So mm-hmm. that's. That was actually in John Harvey Kellogg's office, wasn't it? That burned down. I thought it was the sanitarium. Sanitarium burned, so there was sanitarium burned, but a lot of places burned back Mm. then. Uh, When you had when you had wooden structures and they were Mm -hmm. lighted and heated by flammable liquid, bad things are going to happen. So yeah, so it burned in one of those spires in town, and they fortunately, yeah, because we can still see a a a picture of it floating around. Uh, You can find it on Willard Library today. That's uh, great. And, and, and of course, Ellen White and um, Ellen and James, James White. Right. Uh, there's an Adventist village. Um, I'm familiar with Greenfield Village, where I, <clears throat> near where I grew up. And again, it's as far as local people not knowing much mm-hmm. about the cemetery. I really only got out to Greenfield Village when we had visitors from out of town. 
right. so it's it, it's just the thing you don't appreciate the things that are in your own backyard as a rule that's but the, true uh, that's true the adventist village is uh has a lot of the original homes and uh some furniture and other things that uh, were used by the whites and the other early pioneer adventists so and that's yeah. that's open there's um it's it's a free tour and uh it's it is very interesting it's a nice uh way they put everything all together like kind of like greenfield village yeah Recently, we had Junior Walker buried there. Recently, I mean, yeah. you know, Less 1900s. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> and uh, there were several several other manufacturers, uh, mm-hmm. Cassius Upton, uh, that he uh, made his fortune in, in appliances and mm-hmm. uh, with a washing machine. And that became Whirlpool Company. We've got a Harlem Globetrotter out there, as I remember. I forget his we name, do. We've got... Uh, yeah. I've, I've got more to talk about. Well, we've mm-hmm. got several different sports people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got, like you said, we've got, uh, you see, the Harlem Globetrotter was Floyd Bates. That's correct. And, yeah, that's uh, right. yeah. He was also uh, uh, played softball uh, with um, in Flint, where he grew up. Mm-hmm. And he's... Uh, he was inducted into the Michigan Softball Hall of Fame in 1982. Mm-hmm. He w- did play for the Harlem Globetrotters, uh, I think, from 1939 to 1947. So it's mm-hmm. quite a span uh, right. for for basketball. Uh, so you come into this project and you're kind of an outlier. You're digging into this history for the first time, and you're getting you know you were familiar with some of the famous ones. But when you were going through the process of putting the books together, like the revisions of Oak Hill, uh, Beyond These Gates, was there a particular story that you found most compelling that um, kind of took you down a rabbit hole of interest? And I found more than one occurrence where people attended or were on their way to a funeral mm-hmm. and were killed on the way. Wow. when they yeah. were leaving the funeral. Mm-hmm. Uh, one person attended a funeral for a friend of his. I think it was, uh, they were they were in the same military regiment together. Right. And when he left, he got hit by uh, the interurban train, which oh, must have wow. run nearby the cemetery somewhere, maybe mm-hmm. down Main Street or something. But uh, there was another one that, that, died out in Arizona and the body was shipped back here and when they were uh, preparing the body they mm-hmm. got word that his wife and daughter were killed in a car accident on their way to the airport right. uh, out there to get to Chicago to get here All right. so I mean it's uh, you know it's always a bad day for a funeral but it's it's must be compounded for the family when more mm-hmm family are, are are killed so in that case they had a triple they they held off the first one and had a triple burial wow. uh, for him but there's a lot of quirky stories i guess mm-hmm. uh there's there's uh an uncle of your friend and mine dave eddie 
who uh, oh yes i know this story (laughs) this is a funny one (laughs) he bruised his ankle and the left foot when he was entering his automobile and the car door swung i don't know if it was because on a hill or wind or whatever took it but after about 10 months he uh the foot was amputated because it kept coming back with ulcerated uh sores on it Mm -hmm. they figured that was the best remedy so uh after this freak accident in 1938, uh, it was buried in, in a lot in the cemetery. And I've heard <laughs> of this, especially military, where they'll bury their arm or leg or something that uh, they lost. And then he was, uh, when he died, he was buried two lots over with his body. I, uh-huh. I don't know why he, they used two different lots. Oh. For me, I think they would. I would have tried to put the body and the leg together in the same <laughs> lot. Yeah, I'd always was, heard that they put them. I just assumed they put them together. I didn't know that. It was no, it was, uh, <laughs> one, one is uh, grave one and one is grave three. I think so. Oh, that's crazy! Uh, that's crazy. If you're out there some night and you see a one-legged man walking around scratching his head, that's <laughs> looking for his other leg. Could be, could be him. <laughs> Wow. And, uh, of course, I didn't write it down, but you've, you've talked about the one gentleman who was uh, buried alive. And yep. I, there's no really way to know how many people might might have met that fate. But mm-hmm. in this case, they happened to uh, – the family sold the family lot uh, with a stipulation that the person right. had to – Reinter, reinter the uh, the whoever was buried in there, and that didn't happen right away. They didn't need to until they wanted to use the lot. Mm-hmm. And when they dug it up, the body was in a fetal position, and there were scratches in the wooden coffin. And uh, mm-hmm. just everyone who who was part of the uh, reburial crew agreed that mm-hmm. the person must have. Uh, been buried alive for whatever reason. Medical science wasn't like it is today, but mm-hmm. even last year, probably six months ago, there was one a case in Detroit where someone was on an autopsy table waiting to be uh, waiting yep. their turn, and uh, they sat up and they were apparently fine, but they were pronounced dead like a day or two earlier. So, yeah, it's. Um... It's always a possibility of it happening, you know. I mean, that case that was at Oak Hill was Dorrance Williams. That was the one. Yes. That, that was his name. Um, but there was another one that I found when I was reading um, the last interview of Ogden Green, who was the sexton out there and had buried over 2,000 people. And they asked yes. him, had they ever, ever come across anybody he thought was buried alive? And he mentioned the name of a lady named Blackwell. And I he remember thought for it was sure a lady. That, yeah, that, that same Blackwell, thing. and I tried to find her grave, and there's a headstone there, but it's not clear who it is, where she's supposed to be buried. But um, not much other. That was the only other mention of it. I tried to find an obit on her. It was wait, it was before newspapers were printed in the area, so yeah. it, you know you get before 1850. It's really hard to find a newspaper record, and uh, yeah, that's the only. Those are the two cases I know of at Oak Hill that have been referred to as being buried alive. That's kind of interesting, kind of a scary thought. But that was something that you know, before the embalming was a big part of burial services. You know. Yes. 
There was, there is one other memorial that a lot of people flock to. Not a person, but uh, hmm. what is affectionately labeled "Crying Mary," right. and uh, it's it's a statue um, over a man's grave that his wife uh, had commissioned, and uh, actually it won an award in the uh, Chicago, I think, uh, World's Fair for oh, okay. art and uh it's 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 not it's not mary it's actually a goddess but uh somehow i got the uh name of yeah. crying mary because of the patina uh the rain coming down the cheeks you know, were streaked mm. streaked over time it's uh somewhat refurbished it was uh redone a few years ago so it was like new completely mm -hmm. brown but before that, uh, it was more green, like mm -hmm. like you you've seen the pictures of the Statue of Liberty, was right. green because it, it tarnishes over time. Mm -hmm. Some of the other monuments out there, Legion Circle is quite an impressive uh, place to see too. That yeah, the American Legion bought mm -hmm. the entire lot, and there's I think there's like 150 stones, which doesn't seem yeah when you're looking at it like there's that many. And there's about a dozen without uh, headstones that we're working on getting uh, done because mm -hmm. the headstones are provided uh, by the government for mm -hmm. military. So um, we want to go ahead and <clears throat> make sure everyone does have a headstone. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them are uh, subitaths, which are yeah. more of a memorial because there's no body there. Right. But uh, if... If someone was lost at sea or uh, buried on a foreign cemetery somewhere, the mm -hmm. the family likes a place they can go uh, just to remember uh, that person. So, right. so that's um, one of the young men that was buried there or has a cenopath as uh, was at the um, was on the USS Indianapolis. That's his yes. story. Yeah, he's on. And I don't so he know. He has a marker uh, there. There's, there's no way to know if he died in the initial explosion or mm -hmm. days later. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that was Richard King. Uh, That's right. right. And yeah. uh, the, the ship was torpedoed and sank in 12 minutes. But, and I've read about it. I'd, there's different stories, whether they were on radio silence. They had just finished delivering, uh, mm -hmm. I think it was Little Boy, uh, yeah. The first uh, nuclear bomb, uh, or the ingredients for that, for uh, dropping on Hiroshima, and yeah. uh, the the Navy didn't realize it had been torpedoed for days. Mm -hmm. So uh, it just happened to be a freighter or something coming by and picked up what people. The people that went overboard, most of them didn't even have rafts. Uh, right. They had. They maybe had uh, life jackets, and they just kind of linked arms so that they could kick the sharks that came up at them. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was—it couldn't have been a pleasant week for them being in shark-infested oh. waters with no water or, or food. Not at all. No, I read the book on that that was uh, also made into a movie upon that documentary, and I— you know, I was shocked that they they prosecuted the captain of the ship uh, because he didn't. I guess they claimed that he wasn't either zigzagging or he uh, also refused escort. 
um, yes, when he was on his return. Both of those items were the charges that he got. Um, the court martialed him. They didn't. I mean, so, anyways, that was a, a fascinating. I think it's story it's of one of the military stories. You, know? you just find someone who's in the wrong place at the wrong time, and they, right. they've got to have a scapegoat. So mm-hmm. that that happens regardless. Yep. Um, on the military, there are two Medal of Honor recipients, which I've never done the research, but I'm I'm thinking it it may be one of the it could be the only cemetery in Michigan with two Medal of Honor recipients. Yep. That's it's unusual to have one in a small pioneer cemetery, but uh, right. to have two, both from the Civil War, uh, is is very unusual. Yeah, that's certainly true. Yeah. So could we talk about some of the buildings that people find at Oak Hill? Do you know some of the history of uh, some of the buildings sure. out there? I have to refer to the book, but uh, the uh, the vault, I think, may have been one of the oldest ones, and that's right next to the office when you first mm-hmm. pull in. And the initial uh, reason for the vault was to store bodies in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. Because if, you're, uh, if you die this time of year, well, we're, we're having a warm spell right now. But right. when the ground is frozen and the, uh, the sexton is the one that digs a grave by shovel, right. it's, uh, you're going to wait till spring to do that. Right. We have backhoes and other equipment to do that today. So mm-hmm. it's not necessary to store those bodies. But, um, yeah, you can imagine without, especially before uh, uh, embalming, which really didn't mm-hmm. start before the Civil War, uh, you you just couldn't keep bodies that long without yeah. uh, the neighborhood being aware of it. And then there's the um, the post-memorial. I guess it's a... It's a it's the mausoleum. Okay. Mausoleum for the post family or for yes. It's actually C W yeah. and his wife or um, yes. Yeah. Um, Lila, which Lila. They they are both uh, well known people in their own right. Mm-hmm. right. Uh, C W of course and Lila uh, survived him and uh, was very generous with the funds that she had at her disposal. Uh, mm-hmm. There's the Lila Arboretum. There was a, Ly- a Lila Hospital. Uh, she uh, mm-hmm. she invested a lot of money into Battle Creek uh, before and after she died. In fact, there's a, uh, there's a video of her funeral on, I believe, Willard website. Oh, okay. uh, if, I'll have to look for that. If it's, yeah. if it's you, if it's not, it's on YouTube, and it's it's on the uh, Historical Society of Battle Creek's website because okay. I I put it there, put a link to it mm-hmm. there under their videos. Interesting. Um, the other the other mausoleum that's out there is uh, Nichols. Yeah. Nichols, yeah, he um, he was a businessman. I believe he died in Detroit. And uh, was brought back here. That's one thing. Oak Hill still has no regulation on on stones that you put in. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, modern, especially newer cemeteries, uh, you don't have much of a choice. It has to be flush so they can uh, landscape easier, quicker. Right. Right. Um, there's you can put. Whatever you want, you may have to buy additional lots if mm-hmm. you're going to build a large uh, monument uh, mm-hmm. 
because you you know if it's so big you're not going to be able to put other graves there so you've got to buy those uh, when you install your monument uh, to it but there's no uh, I'll keep that no in mind regulation. maybe I'll put a big statue over mine you know you, you <laughs> yeah, we, I'm, I'm <laughs> yes I'm sure you will <laughs> I'll put a big dog over mine <laughs> um, so where can people find copies of some of the books that you mentioned here today uh, the book is available at the library at, at the um, cemetery office mm-hmm. okay uh, the um, local museums can obtain copies for you okay. uh, they may not have them in stock but uh, certainly the regional historical uh, museum as I say that right yeah, Battle Creek Regional History Museum has them in stock and, and so, Kimball yeah. House Museum should also have that Mm-hmm. And uh, it's available on Amazon if all else fails. And you, actually, there's a, a bookstore in uh, Marshall. Um, I forget the name of it. First Story Books or something. Okay. Uh, it's right on Michigan Avenue. And uh, they, if they don't stock it, they can certainly order it for you. Now, we haven't talked about the chapel. That's a project that... Um, we've seen some beginnings to of work on that. It was a when was the chapel built? Historically, it was a yeah. You mentioned you mentioned some other buildings, and I was going to get mm-hmm. to that. Let me see. The chapel is uh, is that in the nineteen twenties or thirties? It was built, or was it earlier than that? The chapel was commissioned in nineteen twenty four, and construction was begun in nineteen twenty six. So uh, it's been around a while. The um, they put some protective plexiglass over the stained glass windows okay. probably about 20, 30 years ago. Okay. And it's it's discolored with age. Right. So it's hard to see the beauty of the stained glass from the outside. Mm-hmm. From the inside, uh, you can't tell there's anything covering it on the outside because mm-hmm. the, the light just comes through right. like there's, you know, they're bare there. But... With time, uh, it was refurbished back in the 1990s, and it's time to refurbish it again. Stained glass deteriorates over time, and right now, if you go up to the stained glass and press on it, it's it's just like uh, cellophane. Mm. It's it's movable, so it has to be re-leaded, re-cemented, and all those things that. is normal maintenance, as I suppose, on stained glass. So they're going to, we're going to be doing that. We're also uh, had some uh, pews in there. We're going to be replacing with uh, more uh, portable chairs, okay. and hopefully we'll have uh, be able to have chapel ceremonies in mm-hmm. there. But beyond that, a lot of cemeteries are going into unconventional. Mm-hmm uses of their chapels like in weddings uh maybe showers mm-hmm. any any time a dozen or 50 people or 100 people gather uh, you know that's that's like the open box theory of what we can use that for as as a money generator because uh all of these things take time right. uh, with 20,000 visitors and we don't allow buses anymore but when when they did sneak in, 
they create damage going around corners when there's stones on the right. corner. So uh, it's it's uh, there's a lot of expense because of all the visitors coming, mm -hmm. which I mean we welcome them, but uh, it, it it's just the cost of doing business, I suppose. Yeah. And uh, there's there's also uh, it's not really a building, but it's a large rock just past the office uh, on the way to uh, the post mausoleum okay. with a, uh, a plaque of all the World One veterans who lost their life uh, in that first great war. Right. Not just people that are buried at Oak Hill, but uh, all of the local soldiers and sailors who died uh, in action. From the Battle Creek area or is it the whole county? I think it's Calhoun County, okay. but oh. I yeah, it to, says it right there I'd on the plaque. So if somebody's curious, they can see it right there right. on the plaque. Yeah, yeah, it's a very impressive memorial. And, and I lifted the uh, the wording and all the names and included that in the uh, Beyond These Gates mm -hmm. book yep. for that. Wow, that's quite a lot of work, Jim. I mean, you've done quite a tremendous amount of work in preserving the history of that uh, cemetery. It was really fun putting it together, and as you know, uh, going through the old newspapers, mm -hmm. uh, you never know what you're going to find. Oh, yeah, you piece together so many more stories. You can go down a rabbit hole and find something incredibly different that you never expected um, that happened right here in Battle Creek, you know? They used to publish the resolutions of the minutes in the newspaper mm -hmm. and back in the i think the 1840s or thereabouts there was a resolution from the cemetery apparently they weren't being paid on a regular basis for some mm -hmm. of the lots that they had sold right and and used so there was a re resolution that if 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 uh, lots were unpaid the bodies would be removed or disinterred <laughs> whoa. whoa and i couldn't find anything after that about anything going on so i i'm thinking cooler heads prevailed and said you know wait a minute this that's going to cost a lot of money yeah, if I we bet. just leave them where they are it won't cost us a dime all right but uh yeah it's you you, you can't make this stuff up as you know it's uh it's fun to go through some of those and there's uh we mentioned some people that changed the world for the better. Mm -hmm. There's also, uh, especially in the veterans book, some people that came back and could just never could adjust. And, uh, you know, the, some of the atrocities you hear about families, uh, some of these soldiers came back and uh, mm -hmm. never really adapted to civilian life after yeah. uh, the horrors of war. So they're... Uh, there were scars inside and outside for all for many mm -hmm. of them. Well, the earliest war we have two Revolutionary War soldiers buried at two Oak Revolutionary Island. War soldiers up to the Gulf War, and there's several um, from the War of 1812, and then all the way up to the Gulf War. Yeah, a few from the Mexican. Yeah, Mexican. Many yeah. from the Civil War. Mm -hmm. And then some from the Spanish-American World War One, World War Two. It starts to uh, get less because mm -hmm. Fort Custer was built. 
right. in the 60s. Right. So uh, a lot of World War II veterans are still buried at Oak Hill or, mm-hmm. or have been. I don't know that there are many survivors anymore from World War II, but uh, if they had a family plot, you know, they mm-hmm. would choose, you know, Oak Hill, even though, I mean, it's it's hard to beat free at Fort Custer. Right, but, exactly. Uh, yeah. some, some do. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And so that would probably also explain why there's less Iraq War veterans than you'd expect and other ones like that out there. Now, obviously there are too it's a many more from Vietnam war. from yeah. from or Iraq, or of course, Gulf Wars. Any later wars, uh, unless yeah. they were killed in action, you know they're they're still mm-hmm. young, right? So, yeah, so they're going to be over at the Fort Custer area. Well, well, it's been fascinating talking to you today, Jim. There's all kinds of stories. We'll have to get back together and talk about a lot more stories from Oak Hill again. This was a good introduction for people to the cemetery. We are, uh, in fact, there was a. a very good article in the shopper about our mm-hmm. restoration of the chapel and it's going to take uh, quite a while because uh, there's lots of aspects to it and i think there's a good opportunity for people who may want to volunteer mm-hmm. their time or donations so uh you know there's uh, certainly want to encourage people to contact the office and see uh if there's anything to match their skill level and what they would like to uh, to do. Okay. And I know that when I had Dave Eddy on um, around December, he mentioned there's a fund set up at the Battle Creek Community Foundation. And I will put that link yes. in the description of this podcast episode for anybody who wants to check it out and make a donation to Oak Hill for this uh, chapel project. And uh, we'll probably be talking a lot more about the chapel this coming year because it... Uh, it's going to be a big project they're trying to raise the funds for and get that place restored and either make it uh, something as a quasi-community gathering space, something can be used for the tours that go through uh, the cemetery as well as services. Um, Dave even mentioned that there had been some weddings out there at one time. I don't rem- I Well, that was before my time. I don't yeah. recall seeing anything about that, but it doesn't surprise me. I, I know mm-hmm. the, uh, the I don't know if you call them garden cemeteries, but that was yeah. kind of like the theme after the 1900s to mm-hmm. kind of like a city park um, right. where people could stroll and go for a picnic and things. So whether it was a picnic by their loved ones or just a picnic in the area because it was an open uh, like a park setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, it doesn't surprise me that there were other functions like that. If you go out now, you'll see people walking their dogs or mm-hmm. hiking, or, I'm strolling, uh, even jogging yep. uh, through there because it's a, it is a peaceful, any cemetery is usually a peaceful place and you have, uh, you're not surrounded by other people as a rule. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, it's a nice uh, solitary getaway it's a very beautiful place in the springtime too there's such a mix of trees out there with the and they flower and it's just uh it's one of the best city parks around that people don't even visit you know because it's a cemetery and has that uh you know that distinction of being a cemetery so they tend to leave it alone but it's uh it's a wonderful place to go walking and just uh spend a little time if you're trying to get outdoors in the 
in the summertime, just walk around, and it's a, like an outdoor museum, as uh, my friends have referred to it as, you know. It, it really is. A lot of history uh, there, and uh, the more you, you learn about some of their lives, people you never really heard of uh, really had an impact. Mm -hmm. We've got people that, uh, well, we talked about musicians uh, that played with Louis Armstrong and uh, mm -hmm. uh, inventors that invented a collapsible canoe which wow. put Battle Creek on the map long before the cereal barons. So, yeah. I mean, they were they were getting orders from all over the world. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's, and uh, Westinghouse and, and mm -hmm. everything, or Whirlpool, rather. Yep. So it's, um, yeah, there's, there's uh, you, I learn something every time I uh, delve deeper. There was a, uh, I was trying to find out who the last Civil War soldier buried there was. Right. Uh, you have to get back in the 40s for the last Civil War veteran, but uh, period. But uh, the last Civil War buried, veteran buried at Oak Hill was, I think, in the 1930s. But he was a 12-year-old that went off to war with his older brother. And uh -huh. in the first battle, he pulled his wounded brother off the field to safety yeah. and uh, he got he was in the army for three and a half years and received uh, uniform allowance but never received any pay and he never applied for a pension in spite of the fact that he was wounded like four times and wow. had both arms shattered uh, the bone shattered <laughs> in both arms oh. and he, you know he died when he was like in his 90s mm -hmm. but uh you know, here's a 12-year-old kid, and I'm sure even 18-year-old kid, you know, you're, you're going off mm -hmm. for this adventure, not realizing the horrors of war. Yeah. Um, they're, they're young enough to think of the glory mm -hmm. and everything else. So, but yeah, it's, I just learned about that the other day, and it's like, wow, what an interesting story. And mm -hmm. uh, I, you never know it all. Yeah, there's all kinds of stories out there yet to still be discovered, I'm sure, because every time I I research, I find new stories that well, I just get blown away by how much history is sitting in that cemetery. And and it's the same with other surrounding cemeteries, but it's just the the rich the rich uh, layers that are in this Battle Creek community um, are really exemplified when you visit uh, the the different tombstones out there at uh, Oak Hill Cemetery. Well, thanks for coming on the show again today, Jim. I'm happy to have you back on again in the future, and it'll be most, I'm sure we'll have a lot more stories to tell. Always a pleasure. Yeah. So I've been speaking with Jim Jackson. He's the author of Veterans of Oak Hill. He also was the supervising editor of Beyond These Gates on the second, the most recent edition he spent a, a tremendous amount of hours updating that book, and I'm sure he'll probably be involved in other projects. He's written several other books. You can check out his uh, books on Amazon, and I'll put some links into the podcast episode where you can obtain some of the books. If you want to stop by the Battle Creek Regional History Museum, we have copies of several of Jim's books there as well. And until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday and we explore... Yet another fascinating story about Southwest Michigan's past. Thank you for listening.